Momentum, helping men succeed in life. Welcome to Momentum. This week it is uh, Tim and Des back with you once again in the chair for another exciting show. Uh, MomentumAustralia.org is our website. Uh, all sorts of stuff there, resources. You can hear some of the uh, previous shows there as well. We'd love your feedback on the show as well. We'd love your thoughts and feedback. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like Des and I to investigate in the future, MomentumAustralia.org. Uh, just a quick, quick reminder too that Momentum is a not-for-profit show and organization. If you'd like to contribute a few dollars to uh, continue to hear what you're hearing right now and be a blessing to men all around Australia, MomentumAustralia.org. You can check out some details there and uh, pledge your support. And we're so grateful for that. Also, so grateful days to have a special guest from uh, our previous show back with us. His name is Jonathan Doyle. If you didn't catch the show, it is online at the website MomentumAustralia.org or the podcast too, which you can access through the website. Jonathan is an international speaker, author, businessman, executive coach. And while he's pivoting at the moment, as we all are during COVID, which we talked about last time, we're going to explore that a bit more. But Jonathan, welcome back to Momentum, mate. It's great to have you back. Tim, Des, great to be back with you again. I love the show and uh, it's a great privilege to be talking with you guys again. And uh, you know, hoping that uh, we can bring something uh, it's a real blessing to people. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. So, I mean, I mentioned there, you know, we, we, we talked about in the previous show, let's just backtrack for those who perhaps didn't hear the show. We talked a bit about your upbringing. It was fairly dysfunctional. You made a pretty radical choice in your early 20s with a, uh, you know, a, an acceptance of faith and that radically changed the way that you did life forward from there and you know like most of us right now we're having to transition through the season of COVID and instability and perhaps do things we've never done before we've had to let go of things we thought were secure and safe and all this sort of stuff we're in this really um, transitional period let's go back to you for a tick and recap because you had this dysfunctional upbringing um, and I don't know how much you want to share about that but there was this definite choice this choice in you to go I'm going to think differently, act differently, and be differently. Um, tell us a bit more about, I suppose, how that outworked for you. Wow, what a question. Look, I kind of feel that I, I just kind of had some sense pretty much early in life that I wanted to get on with life and, and live, you know, and make something of myself. I think that was kind of a little bit innate. But uh, it wasn't until that experience of a faith conversion in my early 20s, I was uh, at a 500-year-old boarding school in England. I, uh, I sort of did a gap year and I said to people that I basically went to England to uh, drink professionally for Australia. And uh, <laughs> Well done. So people people say, yeah, look, it wasn't about me, Des. It was always about the public. It was always about the fans. Um, but uh, I didn't do it for me. But uh, people say, what do you remember about that year? And I'm like, not a lot. But uh, the parts that I do remember – is uh, you know I was living pretty wild and I was I think I was about I was about twenty, and uh, I was at a five hundred year old Jesuit boarding college and it was an extraordinary place and uh, just a physically beautiful place like stunning architecture and you know there's a there's a theory that uh, you know there's three attributes to God if you know people just stay with me on this that uh, you know Aristotle going back you know my background in in classical philosophy is that you know, the Greeks believed that God had three attributes, you know, where they were truth, beauty, and goodness, that God was supreme truth, supreme beauty, and supreme goodness. And there's an argument that in the spiritual life, each of us will tend to gravitate naturally to one of those particular things. And for me, it had a lot to do with beauty. I was quite stunned by the beauty of the buildings and the chapels and the churches and uh 
So this this religious conversion begins, and it was terribly inconvenient because uh, I was, you know, I was living pretty fast and loose, and I came back to Australia, and my my big experience was I didn't fit. I just didn't fit in any of the groups and lifestyles, and and I'm not judging anybody. I just knew that I was, you know, just didn't fit there. Something had shifted. So I am what I am, and I'm not going to pretend that's anything other than a kind of supernatural event. Um, and that began a process of a deeper and deeper faith conversion that uh, led to, I guess, major change in life. And that's been playing out over the last 25 years. So, you know, Tim, the last thing I'd say, you know, in your broad question about, you know, creating cognitive change, creating transformational change, we have to remember that the vast majority of what's going on for us is subconscious. And only a fraction of stuff are we really in touch with. And the way I used to do this on stage is I'd say to people, you know, where were you last Christmas on last Christmas day? And people would be able to recall that. And then I'd say to them, where was that memory before I asked you? You know, you weren't thinking about it. Where was that memory? And people realize that obviously that memory is there. There must be vast other memories in there. So there's all this stuff. So how do you create change when you're not even in control of the vast majority of what's deep down inside your emotional self, your psychological self? And my answer to that is I think it's a supernatural thing. I think that that God gives us himself and he is the one who begins a process of transformation. If I was wrong on that, then we would all be relatively capable of creating massive change. We would just get a bunch of systems and a bunch of practices, put them into place and off we go. But most of us listening know that that's not exactly how life works. So Mm. all I can say is I just got to a point in life where, you know, it's like the Alcoholics 12 Steps. I mean, it's why it's such an influential program, right? Because the first step was we realized that life was out of control and we needed a higher power. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and, and we're going to refer to Romans 12, it is, which is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And of course, we all wish that, you know, we could just click our fingers and, and it would happen overnight. But that is a, it's a process. It's an outworking. And and I'm going to, and I don't tend to want to talk about myself on the show, but I'm going to use my, ju- my, my journey, my story, which was, you know, and I shared this with you guys off air before, um, uh, even though I was a Christian for the first 13, 14 years of, of my walk with the Lord, I felt like I was struggling still, and I felt like I was hitting a ceiling. And part of that was that I realized uh, when actually my first marriage fell apart that uh, part of the problem wasn't actually other people. Most of it was me. Is is it that we need to reach a point of the aha moment to, to kind of then do something about it? Otherwise, all we're going to do is just recycle our experiences because we're recycling the same stuff in our heads. Men aren't stupid, right? Like, if you were able to fix your problems and if like if anybody's listening and dealing with you know serious addictions or behavior patterns rage anger you know broken relationships constantly you're not you're not stupid like you're not you're not you're not waking up in the morning going why don't i try and ruin my life on a consistent basis right <laughs> You know, so no one's doing that. Like some, sometimes in life we can get so hurt and so damaged that there, there can be a little bit of that. There can be a little bit of what's the point. I'm just going to blow everything up. Mm. But most people, like, you know, we want to be happy. We want to mm. enjoy our lives. Yeah. So the question is, if that's true, why do many men struggle to do it? 
So the first thing that happens, as many of you guys would know on the show, is that men double down on whatever they can find that works. Yeah. So whether it's sexual <laughs> conquest, right. you know, booze, money, success, fame. And I used to sit in the back of Christian talks and I, I used to roll my eyes, you know, the, the standard testimony of like, oh, gosh, here we go. Let's all, you know, tell ourselves that making money is terrible and, you know, God only likes us if we're broke. Like, I always used to struggle with that because I'm like going, God doesn't have a problem with making billions, go for it, whatever, if that's what he's put on your life and that's the skill set. But we tend to, as men, find the one or two things that give us some cut through and success and we triple down on it. And then we end up often with these other areas of life hanging loose in the breeze that we can't seem to fix. Mm. So what I started to do was we've got to resolve this question. Why can't we save ourselves? Like, why can't we just fix ourselves? Is it that we're not trying hard enough? We don't have enough willpower? You know, so the journey I've been on most recently, as I said in the first show, is to go back deeper into scripture, you know, and just begin to look at the stories of where did transformation happen for people? So God's been really good. I've been, you know, really sitting with scriptures. And I got like a lot of guys listening, a really busy life, but I'm making time for this. I am just asking God, I'm asking Jesus to transform me on a daily basis. And I'm telling the truth to one or two men that I trust about everything that happens in my life, no Mm. secrets. They pray with me. So if any man listening to this is going, yeah, Jonathan, you're right. I agree with you. I should, you know, catch up with my mates more. If you wait till you feel like it, you will usually be waiting a very long time. Mm. So what you have to do is use a tiny bit of willpower, send that text, set up that meeting, make that call, and then you'll usually second guess yourself a bunch of times going, oh, what's the point? I didn't need to see him. I'm fine. There's really no problem. And But once you have that conversation and once you start telling that truth, then the feelings of release and support and, right, and community will flow. So feelings follow actions. Take the step. Yeah, that's such good advice. That's really good. Because men don't want to open up and talk. They don't want to <clears throat> talk about what's happening in their world. They feel... Um, as if they let people down or they feel that, you know, they, they're embarrassed about what's happening in their world. And, and, and that's, it's a very wrong perspective. There's so true. And I'll tell you a really cool, quick story. About three years ago, I was going through some pretty challenging times in business. And I didn't have a lot of mentors at that point. And uh, Karen and I were at this huge Easter event and we ran into this beautiful older couple who many, many years ago, Karen had boarded with them as a younger woman. She was, yeah. Karen was nursing in Sydney and beautiful couple, faithful couple. And um, we turn up to meet them, Jenny and Phil. And, uh, and Jenny goes, um, Jonathan, uh, Karen and I will go off for a chat and we'll catch up. And you and Phil, you, you can go and talk over there. And I was like, what? No one tells me who I can go and talk to. You can't tell me. And this is going through my head, right? Yeah. And I'm looking at Phil, and I knew Phil, and I, and I knew he's a great guy, but I'm like, I'm not telling you nothing. I'm not like, he says I have to talk to you. He just, this guy's a senior business operator, like, you know, a big global operation. He just took me under his wing for the last three years. And I'm talking, he would ring me every Saturday morning. I'd be, um, you know, he would ring for up to three hours. Three hours. He would just give me this three hours and coach me, counsel me, father me, mentor me. So you never know what, you know, I mean, I was like dragged to the slaughter, right? I didn't want to go. But <laughs> you never know we're reaching out to a good man, an older man, even a even a peer, 
can just lead to a transformative change in your life. Firstly, when we get off this call, I'm going to get his number from you, Jonathan. <laughs> he sounds like a good guy. You're listening to Momentum. Tim and Des with you once again. And our special guest is international speaker, author, businessman, executive coach, Jonathan Doyle. And we're talking about transforming our minds, coming straight out of Scripture, Romans 12, of course, about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, you know, Jonathan, we've talked about uh, the fact that many of us are in transitional seasons right now uh, with what's happening with COVID, but also talking about dealing with some of the past, some of the backstories, and if we don't deal with how we think about that, how we think about life in general and think about ourselves, uh, we're just going to repeat um, you know, some of the circumstances in, in our life. And, and it, it starts with what we're thinking upstairs. And so off the back of that, I want to talk about another scripture, which is um, to take every thought captive. The Bible talks about that. And, and it sounds like a really easy thing to do taking a thought captive. But when we when we explore that in a practical sense, and for men listening right now, they go, well, what, what does that actually mean? How do I take a thought captive? What are your thoughts on that? I have got a whole bunch of stuff. Just, it's a great question. I'm pumped to talk about this one. <laughs> Look, I, as I said in our first episode, I struggled with depression for, I guess, at least 30 years. I'm an introvert by nature, but then with a PTSD background, abuse and trauma, uh, I was straight out of central casting for anxiety disorders and depression. I, I want to talk about the practical ways that people can overcome the negative thinking and destructive thinking patterns in their lives. I want to give you something practical and I want to give people a, a really important spiritual insight. So the first thing people have to realize, men have to realize, I spent many, many years, most of my life until quite recently thinking, believing that whatever my brain happened to serve up was reality. So whenever I had thoughts in my head like, you're no good, nothing's going to work out, nobody really likes you, life's terrible, I'd be thinking, well, I guess that must be true. It's coming out of my head and that's got to come from somewhere. So I guess that's right. It took me years to go, hang on, what if I'm not even on my own side, right? Like what if this, what if this isn't actually reality? What? How do I know this is even true? So what happened is I first began to question a lot of what – and I teach people the first thing you have to do is be conscious and begin to realize this internal dialogue that's going on. And where does it come from? It comes from a whole bunch of things. It's genetics, it's family of origin, it's life experiences, it's trauma, it's rejection, all of this stuff that we develop these strong associations with. Look, some people are just born ridiculously happy and positive. We all hate them, but you know, you know what they're like when you meet them, right? They're just like, my daughter, she's one of my daughters is 10 and she just, she's just happy all the time. Like just, that's it. She's just constant. So so the first thing is to say to people, let's get really good at catching ourselves in the act of thinking, right? And that means being switched on and listening to that dialogue as a, as a habit and a skill we develop. Second part, uh, I, I, I really sort of came up with this idea. I'm, I'm sure there's other psychologists and people that teach something similar, but one day I was in the car here where we live and I was driving down the freeway and there's this off-ramp on the left-hand side that went down to another part of town. And I was confused about where I was going. And I remember saying to myself, oh no, don't take the off-ramp. Don't take the off-ramp. Which led to this theory that I developed about thinking, which was so much of the time we'll get a thought. It'll be, uh, what's the point? This isn't going to work out. You know, why not just have another drink? Blah, blah, blah. And I began to say, Jonathan, don't take the off-ramp. 
I'm on a, I'm on a path. I know where I want to go in life, in relationship, but don't take that off ramp. Stop taking that off ramp. Every time that thought comes in, don't take the off ramp. So I want to teach men get really good at hearing that internal dialogue. And then when it begins to happen, you don't have to go with it. Do the practical stuff by not taking the off ramp, but then realize that you need to allow God to transform whatever you believe about yourself with what he tells you. And, and I practice that. So I do get up every day around 4 a.m. now and I read these things. I study on my phone. I've got the U Bible app and I just do plan after plan after plan after plan. I just do, I just fire through them, replacing my own thinking about myself with what God tells me about myself. And so far, you know, I'm, uh, you know, Karen, Karen likes me and kids like me and, you know, <laughs> something seems to be working. And do you like yourself now? You know, I'm getting there. Um, and I'll be really honest, you know, I just, you know, life's short and I don't know who I'm, you know, who I'm talking to, who's hearing this on the other end. Like I used to truly despise myself. I really did. And um, I'm much more at peace with myself than I was for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm finally accepting, I think it's having the kids. It's It's having my children who are still quite young, their unconditional love has taught me, and Karen's been teaching me this. She said, Jonathan, if you're really as bad as you used to think, your kids wouldn't love you as much as they do. Jonathan, that's absolutely brilliant. There's so many men who are listening to what you've just said. And, you know, I've almost got tears in my eyes. It, it, it's fantastic mm. that, uh, Thanks, that, that it's clear, it's precise, it's simple, um, but, but difficult in some ways too, because it requires change. It requires commitment. 100%. And like, like I said in that first discussion, it was that moment when I walked on stage where I finally realized that I had spent 20 years trying to beat panic anxiety disorder. And how funny is it, right, that God goes, you know how I'm going to heal you? I'm going to heal you with anxiety by putting you on stage in front of 10,000 people because the minute I put you there, you got nothing. You got nowhere to run. You want to try and you want to try and pull this off by pure effort of will. You ain't got it. And um, that was the most beautifully transformative moment. But a man listening to this might be a mechanic or a, or a accountant. And so God's going to do exactly the same thing, the same process just in wherever you're planted in life at the moment. All you got to do is just do the best you can to want it and surrender to it. Jonathan, in the, the two shows that we've we've chatted with you, and I just spent a few moments jotting this down because I've noticed that there's a few key things that I want to leave us all with um, that you've said that I've noticed that have been a, a common thread running through the things that you've said. The first was to take the emphasis off ourselves and love others, reaching out and finding good people to have conversations with finding safe spaces that we can talk about what's happening for us, in us, through us, around us, in our lives, and being honest in those spaces. Taking responsibility for our lives rather than staying as a victim and staying as a product of our past. How do we then change that and be victorious, which is what the Bible wants us to be, right? Victorious and and live in freedom. So, mate, there's some key, key things in there that men I'm, I'm sure have gleaned from the last few weeks. Um, if you'd like to uh, to get in touch with us and, and find out a little bit more or we can point in the right directions or hear both of the shows again, you can go to the website, MomentumAustralia.org. From there, you can find links to the podcast series if you want to listen to either of these shows again. And if you want to check out a bit more about Jonathan, he has his own website, JonathanDoyle.co. For details, JonathanDoyle.co. Jonathan, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure 
And um, I just want to thank you on behalf of Des, myself, and the men listening for your honesty. To be honest, man, I can't wait to get you back on the show. So we'll give you a call real soon. <laughs> no, look, just loved it. Thanks so much for having me. It's um, you know, I've been I've been locked down for so long. I've just missed talking to humans, and uh, you know, just just any and just praying for any man listening to this. Just uh, wherever you're planted, get home, love the people around you. Whether if you live on your own, go love your neighbours. But if you got if you got a wife and kids, then the most important thing you're going to do the, the win in life will be that so I just praying that people will will go and be good men and, and desire to be good men for more information go to momentumaustralia.org you can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at momentumaustralia.org <laughs>